0: For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today.
1: Living Corp is brought to you by the Liberated Love Notes podcast, part of the Living Corporate Network. The Liberated Love Notes podcast is a starting point. For integrating self and community affirmations into your daily practices. The Liberated Love Notes podcast center the experience of black folks existing in white systems and speaks to overcoming imposter syndrome, disrupting injected and internalized forms of oppression, embodying an abundance mindset and building a healthy racial identity. Check out Liberated Love Notes podcast wherever you listen to podcasts hosted by Brittany Jenae Harris.
2: Hello, everybody. If you don't recognize my voice from Living to uh, Living Corporates podcast, I'm Tristan Layfield. Um, we'll get into who I am a little bit later. But first, I just really want to do a quick introduction. Um, so you know, I want to quickly introduce Living Corporate. It's Living Corporate is a media network that creates content that centers and amplifies black and brown folks in the workplace, right? Or in this case, getting ready to enter the workplace. So we you know, are really focused on making sure that we support black and brown people in this space, making sure that we amplify their voices and making sure that we touch on the topics and issues that really affect black and brown people in the workplace. That's, that's simply what Living Corporate does. And Living Corporate does it across multiple platforms, right? We got all the social media platforms, we got the podcasts. we have the webinars, we have tons of different things um, that we do to really make sure that we're supporting and elevating those voices. Um, and now you guys have logged in for the Access Point, which is the new initiative from Living Corporate. And Tiffany, I'm gonna pass it over to you to tell the people a little bit about what the Access Point is.
3: Thank you, Tristan. So as y'all know, and, and probably have been following on social media the last couple of weeks, we have teamed up with Living Corporate to launch the Access Point. It's specifically designed for current college students and recent grads who identify as black and brown and are thinking about prepping for and getting ready to launch from college to corporate. So we'll be hosting guests on this series for the rest of the year and talking about all issues related to making that transition from college to corporate and how to do that successfully. Um, Tonight, I know we'll be talking about some of the things we wish we had known when we were in college. Um, And I'm so excited to join this awesome uh, group of co-hosts to talk about some of those gems and career wisdom and how to maximize your time in college or that first year or two out of college to make sure that you are landing and thriving in these workplaces, because we know that some of the challenges that we face as Black and Brown people in the workplace are nuanced and unique. And so we want to dig into it with some real talk. So thanks for joining us.
2: Yes, yes. Thanks for joining us. And so real quick, we want to get into who we are. So you know who you know who you're gonna be meeting every Tuesday uh, from here on out. So Brandon, you wanna go ahead and uh, introduce yourself first?
1: Yeah, uh, sure, sure. Um, for those who may not know me, my name is Brandon Gordon. I'm 33 years old. I graduated from Prairie View Age of University with a bachelor's in chemical engineering. I'm a member of Five Minnesota Fraternity Incorporated. Um graduated college in the summer of 2012 in chemical engineering and I Basically, my what I do now is I do design for chemical plants, and I do process safety engineering. And so, why am I here? You know, I, I usually I don't talk to people. Usually, I don't do these kind of um, forms. My my usually I do this on a more of a smaller scale, more of a personal type thing. So. Uh, when Living Corporate contacted me and said, "Hey, Brent, I want to use you and to to talk to these to these individuals," I said, "Sure, let's let's go, let's do this." So, uh, basically, my role in in Living Corporate and especially with the access part is being like the big brother. So, I I've met to a lot of kids, especially with uh, my fraternity and just in my personal life, and I want to ensure that. We get the good representation in the workforce and that, that we are getting the, the right salary, we are moving the correct way. Um, things that we never received when we were coming up, and when I said coming up, as like almost 10 years ago for myself. So just within those 10 years, I'm able to share a lot of wisdom, a lot of ideas, a lot of knowledge to younger individuals to make sure that they're better than me, better than the individuals that's on the show, better than individuals that came before them, so they can pass that knowledge of wisdom on to others as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for Living Corporate, I'm thankful for the access point meeting these individuals and to pass on this knowledge of wisdom to people like yourself.
2: That's what's up. That's what's up, Brandon. So, Mike, my friend, you are up next. Tell the people who you are.
4: Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, My name is Mike Yates. Uh, I am um, an educator. I I work in education from the most innovative uh, points possible, Uh, meaning I'm starting, I'm building a new school, new model of school that doesn't have classrooms, that doesn't have teachers, that doesn't have anything that you would think of as a school. Like, we meet in an old concert venue in downtown Austin. Um, I'm originally from Houston, and I'm itching to move back to my hometown, um, which is coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. Um, uh, I am I'm, I'm also building a what's called a school reinvention lab in the city of Austin, um, where we're we're partnered with the Teach for America, the city, and hopefully school districts um, in the Austin surrounding area, so that we can train educators to create models of school that respond specifically to Black and Brown students. Um, so what we know is the most innovative education systems in the world are often created for the wealthy elite. The wealthy elite often happens to be white. Um, so we're trying to reverse that trend. And that's basically what I'm up to most of the time. What you'll hear from me and the lens that you'll hear from me is from the perspective of uh, your favorite teacher, from the, from, from the perspective of uh, the educator in the room, um, what you should do uh, with school and with education um, through, through your journey. Nice, nice. Okay, perfect, Mike. Now, now,
2: Tiffany, we we got to hear from the only lady on the team. We got to hear who you are. Wow! Tell us about you. I know. Wow! Wow! wow right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tristan. So my name is Tiffany Waddell Tate, and I work. Uh, I've spent the better part of the last decade in higher education working in the college career development and advising space. Uh, So that is a big part of my identity and why I said yes to the show. I also manage my own career coaching and talent development firm called Career Maven Consulting. And so what you'll get from me here on Access Point, um, I have a lot of identities. You know, I went to a predominantly white um, undergraduate institution. And so I bring that lens to the table. I'm the mom of a spirited four year old. So all things working as a parent, you'll probably hear me talking about that. Um, And I have spent a lot of years and a lot of time um, in digital spaces and in real life coaching on things related to that jump from college to career generally. But I also am definitely going to be here championing for what it means to be um, and thrive as a Black woman in the workplace. So a lot of those things really Color My Lens, and I'm excited to be here tonight. Tristan, you want to introduce yourself? Last but not least.
2: (laughs) All right, last but not least. Yes, so everybody, I am Tristan Layfield. Um, I'm based in the metro Detroit area. I'm a career coach and resume writer. I run my own company, Layfield Resume Consulting. Um, I also am one of the hosts on Living Corporate's podcast. You might have heard me from Tristan's tips. Um, And really what I like to do is I I really like to help people find their voice and and really leverage their value to transition their careers. And where that comes up for uh, people who are in college and transitioning into the corporate space is really figuring out how to advocate for yourself. Um, oftentimes, we we see talking about ourselves or, or or you know really advocating for ourselves as being boastful or um, you know uh, you know not what do we want to say both for you know we're told not to talk about ourselves too much um but in the workplace that can actually be quite detrimental right so for me you're going to sort of see or hear this lens of self-advocacy and really how we're able to do that across these corporate spaces um and the reason i really joined this this access point team is number one college students are some of my favorite people to work with um right I, i think you know it's sort of you guys are Entering the workforce. So if we can, if we can sort of give you some of the tips and, and tricks and things, you can avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we've made inside of our careers or that we've had to learn from. Um, and you know, hopefully you can avoid some of the hardships that we've had to go through. So, you know, that's really why why I'm here. I think it's important for us to make everything that we do easier for anyone who comes after us. So that's really, that's really why I've joined the access point, right? So everybody. Um, I know we're going to move into something in just a moment here. But we have a question that popped in from none other than uh, Mr. Zach Nunn himself. And I want to put this question up on the screen. Um, I I don't know who may have attended one of these, but let's talk a little bit. So the question is, for any of you that graduated from HBCUs, was there a culture shock at all transitioning from an all-black environment to a majority white one? So I know, I know, Brandon, you, you went to an HBCU, Mike, did you go to an HBCU? No, 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 I did not. Yeah. And I know Tiffany already said she went to a PWI and I went to the University of Michigan. So, uh, Brandon, this is a long question for you, my friend. So, oh yes, so tell yes, 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 yes.
1: So just a bit, a bit of uh, back backstory, um, graduated from, uh, and J O's at Magnum High School in Beaumont, Texas, home of Kendrick Perkins, shot Um, So I grew up in a predominantly black elementary school, a mixed middle school and a predominantly black high school. But the way my upbringing was up, what came up, uh, I was very versed in both dealing with multicultural um, people. So I went to, uh, I had any choice to go to University of Texas, University of Houston. So I decided to go to Prairie. And the reason why I decided to go to an HBCU is because I wanted to be around my people, just a couple more years before I transitioned into the workplace. I knew personally that, um, I knew personally that I was able to transition and just adapt into any environment. But I noticed that some of my fellow HBCU uh, colleagues have not transitioned so well, and the reason is because they don't really understand uh, different cultures and different, um, aspects, you know, as a, as a black individual, we already already know that we have a couple of strikes against us, especially being a black male. And now you're a black male with a degree and to, to some people that feels as if it's a, it's a threat. So what I've learned is to, to, to really understand the individual, understand more, more cultures, more aspects of their culture. And that way, how can I better myself in that process? Um, So the transition from an HBCU to me wasn't that hard, but what I've noticed is for individuals, they don't know how to open themselves up. And that's really really what it is when it gets into corporate America. You need to open yourself up. You need to learn how to talk to people and understand um, how they speak and how they act. Because if you don't, you always confine yourself in a a small little box and, and go to what you're comfortable with. It's just being around your own people, which is not saying it's not a bad thing, but if you want to excel yourself, excel your brand and, and, and pull others that, that, that are struggling by the wayside to pull them up is where you need to understand these aspects. So, um, like I said, I've, I've never had that issue. I've excelled in corporate America, but sometimes corporate America doesn't ex- accept you sometimes especially coming from an HBCU because they feel that HBCUs don't have the certain credentials as the PWIs. And I know the guys that's on the panel today, I know you attended PWI, so what is your perspective of going from a PWI to the workforce?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll start off. Um, you know. It was, I went to a school where actually the black population was only about, I think it was like four or 5% um, when when I went there. Um, so it was, it was really low and we were a really tight knit community. Um, but, you know, as far as you know, the workplace, I feel like it was fairly representative of what I experienced when I got into corporate America, right? Um, you know, there, I've worked in a couple of different offices where I was one of the only Black people, or, um, you know, when I was in regional management for a biotech company, I was the youngest and the only, no, I was the youngest and one of two regional supervisors in the entire country uh, that were black. So, you know, it it sort of was representative of what I experienced. Do I think that it fully prepared me for a workforce? I don't think that college actually does that. Um, I don't think whether that's HBCU, PWI or anything, I don't think it actually fully prepares anyone for the workforce. Um, But I think as far as demographics wise, it was fairly representative of what I experienced
3: even though I went to a predominantly white institution for undergrad and grad school and launched my career at my alma mater, um, prior to college, I went to a predominantly black high school and I was a Navy brat. brat. My dad um, is actually an immigrant from Guyana. And so prior to college, I always lived in very multicultural mixed communities, but had the very clear message from my parents that as a black person, you're going to have to really put in work, like three times as hard no matter where you are. And your job as a student is to master, like to seek mastery. And so that having a really hardcore, um, I would say, um, international parent influence on that regard. My mom was also, you know, all about working hard and from the Southeast originally. Um, I, I started my college journey with that in my back pocket it didn't really occur to me until college that um, ethnicity is a big part of the challenge, but I'll be frank, I went to, you know, a top 30 PWI and that the sort of wealth gap is something that I hadn't thought about prior to that time. And so for me, you know, I think college really did help me in a lot of ways kind of understand this um, this other sort of cultural Layers if you will right like there's I had lived and worked and gone to school around You know a lot of different types of people so being around white people wasn't really a challenge It was being around white people that you know are the same age as me and and driving a band I wasn't used to that. I was like wait a minute, you know, I was used to kind of working class You know lower middle class middle class families. This was a very different experience and so um, what i experienced in the classroom what i experienced socially i would say in some ways helped me for uh work because i started working at my alma mater after and that experience and those relationships were deeply powerful in terms of the mentorship and sponsorship and resources i had for professional development that i would say catapulted my career in some ways um but i think that um, i'm definitely still learning still experiencing and i've seen a lot in the last 10 years i certainly don't think I am the ultimate expert on all of it. But what I can say, having been partnered to, you know, uh, a man who attended an HBCU and being the parent of a black child, there are things that hit us differently simply because we are black. Right. I'm a career coach and uh, learning and development professional by trade. I love to read a book about like business development. I love to read a book about kind of uh, corporate speak and, and the, the rules. Right. Like that's I consume that like water. And there are still opportunities in that space to kind of turn those playbooks on their head because the way that we communicate, uh, the way that we sort of move and shape and influence culture and community as people, um, it's still very much not the sort of standard operating procedure when you're thinking about a traditional workplace. And so I think even when you know all of those rules and you can code switch with the best of them, it's something that we can't take off and it's something that we can't put down. So the way that we have to operate in the workplace, I think uh, does come with, or I know comes with a lot of emotional labor and that's stuff that I didn't really know as a college student. Um, I know we're gonna get into that, but I think it's heavy, it's nuanced, and it's very complex when it comes to how we show up at work. Yeah, yeah,
4: that's good to me. I, I went to, I went to the, the university I went to because it was free. I, I, I knew one thing about college and that it was a formality before I got to what I wanted to do in life. I always have seen through the school system. Uh, I'm the son of a teacher. I've hated school since I was six years old. And so I knew that college was just one of those things that I had to do. I was on the speech and debate team. I was really good at it. I was one of the best in the nation. And so I had I had scholarship offers to go to these places and I didn't know anything about George Mason University or Western Kentucky University. But I knew that Texas State was close and I knew that it was free. They they were paying for me to go to school. I really wanted to go to Howard, but Howard didn't give me a scholarship. They didn't give me the scholarship. Texas State did. So I went to Texas State. Um, What I will tell you about my experience as a professional is that my career has been built on sheer hustle and grit. I knew one thing about college when I went to college and that's that Texas State University is different than Harvard and that Harvard and Princeton and University of Pennsylvania are kind of the same but they say that they're really different Um, but they're all Ivies, right? Um, And now that I have have a direct line of communication to several um, billionaires, um who who tell look at you in your face and say you should get into stanford and drop out in your freshman year right like I, I i take this very almost cynical view of university in general But when we talk about hbcus as i'm a parent as well i have four kids six and under um so my life is hard right now but anyway uh when i think about hbcus and when i think about college if my children choose to go to college. Because uh, I'm going to throw a bomb in this in this college situation, the college system is going to implode in the next five years. But if my children choose to go to college, I really do hope they choose to go to an HBCU. I, I hope they make that choice that I didn't make um, because I I chose free school over over being with my people. And you know, Texas State University was like five to seven percent black um, or something. But the experience I had there was great. People cared for me. The black faculty and staff um, surrounded me, lifted me up, mentored me, and a large part of who I am today is is a credit to those people: Vincent Morton, Terrence Parker, right um, at, at that university. So uh, it's it's kind of a mixed bag for me, but but uh, I, you know, that's it for me. <laughs>
2: perfect perfect so i wanted to get that question in because because i thought it was a really good one we do have another question that came in but i'm gonna pause for a second i'm gonna pause we're gonna get to that question uh towards the end here so real quick one of the things that we want from you all right we have some planned topics that we're we're going to speak about um coming up starting next week um i believe i believe tiffany you're stuck with me next week yeah. we talking about uh we talking about jobs next yeah. week right applying for jobs um, but we have a, we have a list of topics that we thought would be good to bring to you all. But if you have any particular topics that you're interested in, drop them in the chat right now. We want to hear from you guys, right? We want to know what do you want to hear about. And and don't be surprised if we pull that topic. And it is something that we do one of these webinars on, because we want to make sure this is a resource for all of you, right? This is something that you're able to come to and get the answers that you're looking for. So, you know, yes, we'll be, you know, at least least two of us will be on each call, but we're also looking for people who are leaders in an industry, leaders in the things that you guys are are trying to actually, you know, uncover the questions that you guys have, um, and bringing those people on to help answer them too. So you're not just going to get our opinions, granted you will, um, and and a lot of our opinions are based in fact and experience, um, but you're also going to be seeing a lot of guests that we bring on to, you know, really just make sure that you guys are getting what you need and what you want. Um, So I know one of the things that we were planning on talking about were um, some of the things that we wish we would have known before we actually got into the workforce. Um, But Peyton is asking a really, really good question here. So maybe we should hop in with that first, um, just because I think it's a really, really good question that that pertains, I think is on a lot of college students' mind. And, And the question is, how do you guys think the current climate of America right now will affect our transition? All right, so for current college students, how do you guys think that where we're at now is going to affect them? Anybody want to start?
4: I'll start. I just got done talking about. It. I I just built a a plan for this for my job um, today. Um, so listen, I I think that where we are is a unique place, and I think is a very interesting place. Um, we uh, America's original sin is being exposed every day um, uh, through the media. Um, but but as a result, there there is something that I, that I think is interesting that is happening. There's a shift. Uh, the example I'll give right now: there is a, um, a, a my favorite coffee brand, which is where I almost exclusively get my coffee from. It's called Dope Coffee Company. Um, I'm sure somebody on here drinks Dope Coffee. Tiffany uh, shot now. Dope Coffee is awesome. I love Mike Lloyd, the founder. Um, he, he, he and the team there are doing some amazing stuff. Um, I think I I don't know the exact number, but their sales went through the roof over the summer. And and it was not necessarily. Oh, look at that. Mike is your college. Mike Lloyd is awesome. Um, But uh, their sales went like through the roof over the summer. They launched an an accelerator program uh, and they're doing some amazing stuff. But one of the things that Mike and I, uh, the founder of Dope Coffee Company, when we talk, we always say this phrase. The revolution is going to be economic. It's gonna happen and it's gonna be economic for us. And, and that's the thing I think that in this, in this political climate, um, that's what you should be focused on. How can you build and create wealth for yourself as a college student and, and, and when you graduate from college? Um, and, and we'll get into what I wish I had known when I was in college that connects to this, but I think your focus should squarely be on building wealth. And that does mean getting a job. It might mean becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business, Um, but you need to, to tap into the voices that are giving you the real, right? Cause there's a lot of content on the internet. There's a lot of influencers who are trying to make their life seem more glamorous than they are so that you can buy their online course. You don't need to do all that, right? Like you legitimately, I have not used a resume to land a job in the last eight years. But I'll tell you this. I'm not kidding. I listen to every single career tip Tuesday from Tristan. And when I met Tristan for the first time, it was like meeting a celebrity because I've been listening to this dude for so long. Just just because it doesn't matter who the person is. If I feel like they're giving me real advice that can help me better my career as a 30 year old man, I'm still taking it. Right. So you should be consuming the content that's out there with the focus and the goal on building wealth. In this political climate,
3: yo, I just want to say, dope coffee is good. Mike is my college classmate; and he's from my city, literally, like same city. But I want to hop on and also echo something you said, Mike. You know, consuming content is key, right? Like there, I think the one of the biggest risks that people in leadership—we talk about it in a leadership context—but people in general. Once you believe you have nothing else to learn, you have already lost. Like, we are always learning. We should always be growing and changing and consuming. And I think, you know, how that relates to the original question how does this climate impact, you know, the trajectory of y'all post grad? It's everything. Like, you know, people talking about fake news. If you don't, if you are not spending time, like, figuring out how to effectively filter through the information that's coming at you from every channel. Um, If you are not questioning things, if you don't know or I shouldn't say no, but practice questioning things like ferociously. I mean that in terms of what you're consuming, how you're consuming it, uh, how you, you know, lean into difficult conversations with people that, you know, love, trust and people that you don't know, love or trust. I mean, that at work because work. I mean, I hate to say it. But when you're at work, they're not your friends. You might make friends at work, we'll talk about that, <laughs> but they're not your friends. And so learning how to have a difficult conversation, filter through information. In this climate in 2020, what we are seeing is not only, I think Mike phrased it as the country's original name, basically being on Front Street every single day in a new and wild way, but we're also seeing like the breakdown of people knowing how to think critically. Like the fact that other people can sort of infiltrate uh, and spread conspiracy theory on Facebook. Like I remember when Facebook was just a place where you could go and post photos you didn't want anybody to see in four years. Today, even my own family members, (laughs) (laughs) listen, even my own family members will be out here sharing videos. And I'm like, y'all, this is not real. Right. And so I worry so much about what what the next five, 10 years are going to look like when you have like folks trying to upskill on technology right now, when you have people not knowing how to, you know, facilitate dialogue that is constructive and moves everybody forward. And I really worry about, you know, right now, it's like trending to be cool and woke and down and all this and that. But what happens when that's not cool anymore? And what happens when you don't get kind of like brownie points for supporting Black people and saying Black Lives Matter and posting a square? like? The real work is not that. And I worry a lot about what that means for myself, my children, my colleagues, my family, you know, and y'all, quite frankly, because I think about, you know, the year after I graduated from college, the economy tanked. And we talked about that like, oh, my gosh, I was so horrible. That shit was nothing compared to what we are seeing right now and what we are going to see over the next few years in terms of the future of work, uh, wealth distribution in this country and you know the way that we talk about readiness to just have a job forget a career and i worry a lot about what that means and what that looks like and how we're going to navigate that
2: tiffany my friend you are hitting on the points um that was you so know eloquently put i'm gonna take it from, <laughs> i'm gonna take it from a different lens here um you know when i hear that question i'm thinking about specifically what that means for your career right um one of the things that i think this this pandemic and a lot of things that we have going on is um one of the things i think it really showed us is that um nothing is guaranteed when it comes to work or your job right um so many people lost their job we saw unemployment numbers higher than the great depression era right um so you know it it I'm, I'm interested to see what that means as far as stability uh, moving forward, as far as um, people having longevity of, at companies, right? A lot of people lost the amount of time that they spent 15, 20, 30 years at a company, and now they're just out here on, on the job search as well, right? So I'm very, I think it's going to be very interesting to figure out, to see sort of how you all um, transitioning into the workforce also transition the workforce, right? Um, meaning we might see, a. You know, there was a prediction that by 2060, the majority of the workforce is going to be contractors rather than full-time employers, or full-time employees, excuse me. So when we're thinking about that, now with all of this stuff that's going on with the pandemic and everything, I could actually see that becoming more of a reality for a lot of companies where they are contracting with people because it's less expenses for them, right? It's less of money that they have to come out of. Um, and so just sort of seeing how we're able to navigate and figure out how to find you all that stability, how to find that, that economic piece that both Mike and, and Tiffany talked about and really just figuring out how the workforce itself is going to change um, and, and, and really see how you guys are going to be able to make your careers from there, right? Because I, I had the same situation with Tiffany. I came out in the recession and it was hard for us. And, and really what happened was a lot of us, we got screwed to be honest. There's simply, there's no better way to put it. Um, and here we are about 10, 12 years later, most of us were just now getting ourselves back on track only for many people to lose it again. Right. Um, And so, you know, you guys are sort of being put in a very similar, as Mike said, or Tiffany said, even worse predicament. Um, And so you guys are going to are you guys going to rebound? Absolutely. I don't think that you guys are going to be stuck. But what that means right now particularly in this moment for your career, you're entering a very tough job market. And you're going to have to figure out how to differentiate yourself from all the rest of the people that are out there searching for roles, um, and you're going to have to figure out how to actually put a job search strategy in place. Mike mentioned it. He hasn't used a resume in eight years to get a job. Well, that's because the, the most effective way to get a job is not through applying online. That's actually through networking and referrals. But who teaches you that, right? When we came out of college, nobody taught us that what we knew is to go and apply that's it right (laughs) um no one taught us how to network no one taught us how to build that network to get referrals right referrals make you 15 times more likely to land the role but did you know that no because they're not teaching you that in school right they're sending you hopefully sending you to a career center but the career centers are creating resumes for you that aren't that great they aren't teaching you how to network they're not connecting you with your alumni base and so really i think it's you guys are going to have to figure out how to develop a strategy that works in this atmosphere to really get the jobs that you want um but then also build a professional brand around yourself to create stability and create a pipeline of opportunities so you are not beholden to any one company or any one situation
4: excellent um, yeah i just i like, can I just jump in real quick and, and hey, just ahead. echo right. some what, what, what Tristan said? I think one of the most important things that you should take away from what you just heard Tristan and, and Tiffany say is that you have to be creative about the way that you approach the job market because this job market is a beast and it's different than anything we've ever seen. Like if if you're honestly like a lot of entrepreneurs and 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 social media influencers are on there bashing people for being on Netflix for five hours a day or whatever. But if you're spending more time on TikTok than you are on LinkedIn right now, you're doing yourself a disservice. My challenge to you guys is to spend the next year posting three times a day on LinkedIn about what you're learning, what you're failing at, what what you're hoping to do in the future, what you know, and see if you can't build at least 10,000 followers on LinkedIn in one calendar year. I guarantee you at the end of that calendar year, you will be pulling in five, six job offers a month. You'll be turning down stuff that you never you never imagined. You'll be I'm talking. You'll be getting book deals, television show offers. That platform has more organic reach right now than any other platform except for TikTok. But don't be fooled by TikTok's organic reach. Nobody's giving you jobs from TikTok just yet. Use that platform because it is powerful. Look as, as best you can. Think about what the job search is going to be like five years from now, ten years from now, and be ahead of that curve because that's what's going to make you successful.
2: Look, why is Mike reading me? I don't even post on LinkedIn <laughs> three times okay, uh, he's he's a day. That's absolute. That's absolute fact.
4: And for also speaking
2: also speaking
1: of social media make sure you keep a squeaky clean social media as well to try to make sure that your social media of your work life doesn't uh your professional doesn't show who you are. Who you, it's great to show personality, of course, but to make sure that you are not posting things that you should be posting professionally because those things matter. Those things carry with you, so especially in the digital age. you will be surprised at how much you can search just based off your email address that you use to search on Twitter or Instagram, TikTok, or various social media platforms. Uh, searching your phone number. Also, keep a digital, uh search of your phone numbers your names uh things that you do online as well because those things track and if people especially they're coming into the workforce so savvy to these social media platforms if they get a hold of this information they get to know you and the things that you post and that's why you see people um online that they're getting fired from their jobs right or they're getting um Reprimanded from their work because of the things that they post on social media like for example on my Facebook It says that i'm a cnc dance instructor right sweet people It's like why you chose that? I love new jake swing music So that's why I chose to do that kind of thing But if I put my actual work on there or what I do if somebody searches that they can say oh well He works at such and such I can go talk to them and try to get him fired for x y and z reason You know people are very vindictive like that, So just be prepared to keep a, a clean social media, if you want something on social media, make sure it's okay for your boss to see it as well because they may eventually see it. So just keep a clean social media profile as well.
2: Nice. Okay. So I think I think we touched on touched sufficiently on that topic. Um, so let's let's transition to what we were going to talk about here, and I'm going to add a little twist on it because Zach put a really good a really good question to the into the chat too. So let's talk a little bit about what we do. And the biggest L we took early in our career, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off here because I already touched on one of the things that I wish I knew. I wish I knew how to efficiently build a network and how to actually land a job, right? Um, but even back when we were when we were you know initially entering the workforce applying online was actually a lot better than it is now and even still was not the best way of finding a job i mean one of the things that puts us at a disadvantage from many of our white counterparts is the lack of network that we're we're starting off with right they uh, a lot of our white counterparts have a sort of a legacy of networks with their with their family uh and, and friends and, and friends of the family that we don't often have many of us tend to be first or second generation uh you know professionals right um and so it i wish i knew how to accurately or uh, i guess efficiently find a job efficiently put together a job search plan and strategy to really get to where i'm trying to go um and the other thing i knew i wish i knew was um that brands were not just for companies and organizations right um it, 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 having a professional brand or a personal brand whatever you want to call it is so imperative for every single professional to have at this point in time um and i wish that was something i knew immediately i you know even before i got on it's something that you can start building right away while you're in school and i've seen plenty of successful college students start this end up with amazing jobs after college because they started building this professional brand already around themselves um and they've had literal pipelines of opportunities coming their way they've had to They've had so many offers they've had to choose from um, just simply because, you know, there were so many things on the table. So I think it's imperative for, for you guys to know that build a professional brand um, and and, you know, really figure out how to job search, which is applying online is not a job search strategy is a piece of a job search strategy. Um, now, the biggest L that I took in, early on in my career, I was fired my first job. Directly out of college, that was the biggest l I took directly out of my career. I was doing research for university. Um, I actually had a boss who I still to this day believe was slightly racist um, and had a vendetta out for me. Um, and I gave her a reason to, you know, sort of do what she wanted to do, was get rid of me. Um, but you know, one of the things that I, I've learned is that. Everything works out how it's supposed to. Every everything is perfect the way it is, even if it seems terrible in the moment. Um, you know, did that set me back where where from where I wanted to go? Yes, right. But what it did is it forced me to you know number one humble myself um, <laughs> and realize that I'm not too good for any job. So I immediately went into retail um, because I needed to pay some bills. But what what it did from there is it really taught me how to advocate for myself from that point on. Um one of the things I I I was really regretting at that point in time was that I didn't speak up for myself in the meeting with them in HR. I just sort of let things happen. Um, I didn't feel like I could, right? I didn't know how to do it. I felt like I'd come off as of the as the angry black man, right? Um, and I didn't want to be that, even though I was that in that moment, <laughs> to be quite honest. I, you know um but but I I really was angry with myself for not advocating. And that's why I really talk about this self-advocacy piece now. Um, Because once I sort of found my voice inside of my career, that's when things started to take off for me, right? Once I started advocating for myself, once I started realizing what value I brought, what results I provided companies and organizations, that's when I was really then able to leverage that to get to where I was trying to go. So, you know, don't be afraid of those, you know, don't be afraid of those small setbacks in your career. They may suck in the moment, but, Ultimately, they're working out um, in divine order to get you to where you're supposed to be, which may not always be in alignment with where you want to be. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my story. I, who wants to go next on that one? Uh, sure. I'll
1: go next. I'll go next. So my biggest L I took. I took a few. Um, my biggest L was I got laid off one time on leap year. <laughs> that was a. Uh, that was a that was a not fun experience. Uh, like like Tristan was saying, uh, being racially profiled allegedly. And uh one of my coworkers I went to college with, we worked together in a kind of contract position and um just the atmosphere just wasn't right sometimes and they let us go. We was a first first black people hired, last ones to get uh first hire, first fire. So it was just a very troubling experience how to pay bills and whatnot, but yeah, that was one of the biggest L's. Another uh, L I took was trusting managers. Um, not saying that all managers are, are assholes or whatnot, but um, if you want to project and, and, and see where your, where your career wants to go, you have to let it be known. Don't let nobody else dictate your career for you. And that's one of the things I learned um, early on was, if I put my career in somebody else's hands, they have to, to say so to do whatever they want to do. And they, they gave me a bunch of ideas. Oh, yeah, you can come in and move up. We have these good opportunities. So I, I jumped on board with my first um, job out of college. And a year and a half later, I realized that, hey, you told me these positions six months ago. What's up with the career plan? It's like, oh, we don't have these open right now. The jobs aren't coming in. So I left. And what Tristan was saying earlier about networking was I reached out to a couple of, a couple of my colleagues that I was at college with, and they set me up with the career that I have now, and I'm loving every second of it. So one of the things I wish I would have not wrote it down was picking somebody's brain. Um, we There will be topics on the access point uh, talking about mentors and finding mentorship. And one thing I, I wish I would have learned was not just about the work, but how to navigate through, through the work work life and the work atmosphere. Because people that look like me sometimes don't get to move ahead or get to learn certain things about their job and their job in uh, their career as people of the fair skin. And I've learned, this it was, it was guy, he's from India, super cool guy, me and him, we we'll still, we'll still talk to this day about our careers and stuff. And what I've learned was sometimes keep your head down, work, save everything. Um, save all your emails. Whoever gives you a uh, congratulatory emails, make sure you save them. Uh, put them in a PDF somewhere. So when it's time to come for um, promotions, promotions and uh, raises, you already have all your documents in order. Um, how to talk to people? How to how to keep your head down sometimes and just work. When it's time to speak up for yourself, speak up for yourself. And um, how to when it's time for salary negotiations, was another topic they wanted to have at the access point. Uh, salary negotiations, that's one thing that we, especially for Black people, really don't understand. That's a whole different animal in itself. And when you realize your your worth and you realize the things that you can bring to the table and you know for a fact you should be getting paid X, Y, and Z amount, you can prove it. You can show them and you can execute. And it's one thing I wish I would learn early in my career, but now that I know these, these things that have these um, these points, I can share the information with others to make sure you're getting paid just as well, or if not more, as your counterparts at work.
3: Uh, I would say an L that I took early on in my career is also something I wish I would have known. Um, I, I think I mentioned earlier that, You know, I was kind of brought up to work very hard and master anything that I put my hands on. And but what came with that was also this like hardcore expectation to be super humble. And there's nothing wrong with being humble, but it doesn't serve you well in a college classroom and it doesn't serve you well in most work environments. And what I mean by that is I thought very early in my career that if I just got the job done and and did what I needed to do and did a little extra, that that would be enough and somebody would just like hand me <laughs> a promotion or a pat on the back or whatever you're supposed to get. But, uh, you know, something I wish I would have known way earlier, you know, in both college and, you know, in my first job is that nobody owes you anything and and you're not going to magically as much as we wish we lived in a meritocracy. That's few and far between. And I didn't have, I mean, I'm really sorry to hear that y'all had some really traumatic first job experiences. I didn't have that. I mean, i I liked my first job. You know, it was uh, it was hardcore. I learned a lot um during that time. But, you know, well, I wish I would have known that, like we are responsible. We are very we are one hundred percent responsible for activating agency in the workplace as it comes as as it relates to like our work, our work product, where we're headed career I think is our manager's job, it's our job. So when we show up to those one-on-one conversations, like we need to show up with a plan in mind and talking to them about partnering with us. Because even in the best scenarios where somebody has your back and they're and they're advocating for you, you got to make it an easy lift. And then in the situations where your manager is not advocating for you, you might have to push push up a hill. But if you've been building that that sort of rapport and building that um That type of muscle in terms of how to talk about what you're doing, how to talk about your value add, then it makes it a little bit easier, even in the worst situations. You know, so I just, you know, I took an L early on because I worked a job about two and a half years before I realized I was making about 14K below market rate because I didn't know anything about that. Like all the things I know now about career development and all that kind of business, I didn't know when I was fresh out of college. So. When you think about the the type of money that people are losing over the life of their career, just not knowing that and then knowing and not being, you know, um, not having enough wherewithal to to like go for it or think you're not worth it for whatever reason or you haven't done enough, that's trash. We should be making comp rates for the jobs that we're doing. It's not about what we've accomplished. It's about the job that you're doing. And I didn't know that. So things like that, like I took some early L's not knowing I was like not making the right amount of money um, and waiting for managers and other people to just see how good I was. When in reality, I should have had, you know, a lot more confidence and And the ability to speak up for myself and say like, hey, I did that thing over there y'all hired me to do. And I did 10 other things, too. Let's talk about how that has moved the needle on the outcomes here and what that means, you know, before annual review time. So I know we're going to talk about that stuff, but.
2: Hardcore L's, y'all. You better preach. Hardcore you better L's. Better preach, Deaconess Tate. Okay, <laughs> yeah. um, out yeah. here because look, it that is serious, right? Like we we're taught that to let the work speak for itself, but the work doesn't always speak for itself. Sometimes you have to speak for the work, right? It does um, not. And, and and you really have right. to understand that that base salary. Bruh, that it can be the difference between you, uh, it, a t- the difference between a 40000 and a 45000 base salary over the course of a career is $750,000, right? That's how $5,000, and you could literally lose out on $750,000. So I'm going to shut up because, Mike, we want to hear your stuff too. But I'm uh, <laughs> just like, you are preaching to <laughs>
4: Yeah, I'm with you on that same thing. My, my biggest L is taking the first salary that was offered to me. Um, I, I went into education almost immediately after graduating from college. And the thing about education is that, and if there's anybody that's thinking about going into education that is on this webinar, listen to me right now. They, you, you are sold a lie from the get. And that's that education is altruistic and you are doing it for the greater good and that you're supposed to live like a peasant because you're choosing to educate the next generation. That is a lie. Do not accept that. I accepted a salary that was twenty eight thousand dollars a year, and I walked onto that campus and I busted my butt. I was the assistant athletic director. I was a coach. I was uh, I was the the coach uh, like the the, uh, the head of the speech. I rebuilt their speech program. I was teaching. I was doing all these things, working from four a.m. to eleven p.m. for twenty eight thousand dollars a year because I thought that's what education was supposed to be about. And after that year, I said, oh, hell no, never again. This is never gonna be me again. I actually wrote this article um, and I, I formulated this theory that the teachers and almost everybody in the workplace, you need to start treating your employer like LeBron James treats these NBA teams. Number one, this is, I wish I would've known that you never ever give your employer the, the security that you are coming back. You, you always make them, that you make them believe because your personal brand is so big and so strong, you make them believe that you can always walk out that door for some more money or for a better situation. Number two, you you always recruit other talented people to work with you. There is not a single school year that has gone by in my career that I have not tried to siphon another talented person over from another school or even from another career. And then the last thing that I learned is that when it's time to go, because there's a better offer go. I, like I I will listen to any offer at any point in time. Um, and and so I think treat these jobs and these companies like LeBron James treats these NBA teams, especially if you're in education. Um, and then the, 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 the other thing that, that I've learned that I think is, is so important, um, and, I, and I really, really wish I would have known this from the jump, it is about all the things that, you know, I'm like, Black people, we know we have to work two and three times as hard. But the, the strategy of doing work outside of your job, even if temporarily for free, you, you will find that you will make so almost exponentially more money not just from your side hustle, but with what you can command from your job. So one of the things that I knew I was, I have a public speaking background. I was on the speech and debate team in high school and college. And so I knew that there was, I knew I can get a Ted talk like that. So I did my first Ted talk and I used that video, that, that, that YouTube video that they produced. I used it as a bargaining chip for every single job I've ever taken. When, when they asked me, why are you so special? I say, look what the world thinks. Look how many views I have on this TED Talk, right? Like, and now to, I, I'm, I, I've been able to use that and other pieces of my personal brand to, to command that my job treats me with respect because they know that at any given time, I really can go somewhere better, right? And so I think it's all the, the the things that you're doing outside of work, like like Tiffany and Brandon and Tristan and I, like we're on this webinar, you're on this webinar, right? All these things, it might seem like it's not worth it, But the buildup, the people that you meet, the things that you learn, you will be able to command, respect, more money, um, negotiate things into your contract that nobody else has. Like I was negotiating things into public school teacher contracts that people didn't even know you could negotiate. Like I had a school, I was like, buy me 28 iPads or I will go to another school. And they did it. Right. So 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 you have to be really strategic about what you're doing and who you're doing it with outside uh, of your job but it is almost required that you are doing things to create influence outside of your job. I believe that if you're, unless you work for Google or Oracle, or you work for a big, big company, you should be posting so much content on the internet about, about what you're doing at work, that people should think that, they should mistake you for the founder. I cannot tell you how many times people come up in my school that I work at right now they visit and they they say, oh, is that the guy that founded the school? No, but they just, they see the content coming from me, right? So everything you're doing outside, that, that stuff is literally gold.
2: Perfect. Well, I think that really, uh, that really is going to drive us home there, y'all. So as you can see, we got four really passionate professionals here who are really excited about sort of hosting these conversations, facilitating these conversations. So we really want to thank you all for joining us today. Peace, y'all.
4: See you next week. Peace. Thank you.